everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about 1997's Mimic, directed by Guillermo del Toro, which means I'm joined by the biggest bug I know, Mr. Mike Pomero. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Mike. Hi, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for putting this idea in my head last time we did a show. No, of course. I think this is the reason I put Bug Day on the calendar for oh. exploitation was so that we could do a show on Mimic. Because it would give it. me an excuse to rewatch Mimic, which I haven't seen in 25 years. I hope it was worth it. I'm... It was not, maybe. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's uh, happy June exploitation, everyone. June exploitation continues today. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out is Bug Day. Um, but everybody's been doing awesome with June exploitation, leaving comments, leaving reviews on Twitter, on Letterboxd. It's it's blown up um, to the point where I think people forget that it started at F this movie. <laughs> it's just taken a life of its own. Uh, but we're still here doing June exploitation. Thank you. Uh, my apologies to those of you who've been having difficulties leaving comments. There's something wrong with Blogger. I have no control over it, unfortunately. And uh, I know it's been a source of frustration for a lot of you, so I apologize. Um, hopefully it gets worked out soon. I don't know what's up. But, uh, Mike, how does it feel to be here not doing a Bond show? Uh, a little a relief, to be honest. Interesting. Maybe. Because no... Uh I don't have to brush up on my Timothy Dalton impression. <laughs> no, but you I do just... have to do your Jeremy Northam. <laughs> True. I don't have so, to rank any Bond Dress up today. as a piece of white bread. <laughs> yeah, Should Jeremy Northam have played Bond? Uh, the answer is fuck no. 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 <laughs> I'd rather have a Charles Dutton Bond. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd rather have Charles Dutton Bond. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you seen anything good lately? Uh, I have. Yay. I, I will just touch on these briefly because you and Adam covered them last week. But two highlights so far for me during June exploitation have been Space Day, Apollo 13. Uh, yes. that I saw your screening. Yes. Um, that movie rules. It's super good. Saw it in the theater. Really liked it. Don't think I'd seen it again until maybe a couple months ago. Christy and I were trying to figure out a movie to show the kids and she brought up Apollo 13. We watched it, and I was pretty blown away by how well it holds up. And then watching it yeah, again the other day uh, in the theater was an awesome experience. And super it, good. It's super good. And you, like, two things stick out. One, you brought it up, I think, that night in the Q&A, how, like, I love how that movie just doesn't talk down to right. to the audience. I was really paying attention to that, or really struck me um, this time watching it. Uh and secondly, and you posted something on Twitter about this. Oh, my God. And the actor's name is, I'm drawing a blank, but Mitch from Real Genius is in it. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, you said you, you were not aware. No, I didn't that. know that. I wasn't aware until, yeah, this was a number of months ago now. I showed the girls Real Genius and I was like, I wonder what he's oh, okay. been up to. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. looked him up. Saw that he was in Apollo 13, was pretty blown away. So then when we watched Apollo 13, I paused it on him and I said, girls, I will give you a nickel if you could tell me who that is. Of course, they didn't. They're like, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, not To all. expend any mental energy <laughs> on figuring this out right. for five fucking cents. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, so my yeah. joke doesn't work anymore because I always used to refer to him as Sarah Jessica Parker and it doesn't <laughs> work because when he grew up, he doesn't look like her no, anymore. No, he doesn't. 
He uh, was on an episode of 21 Jump Street. That was the only other thing I ever knew him God, from. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, I didn't remember him from anything other than Real Genius. Yeah. So, uh, he had like a career, though. Yeah, he was in stuff. For sure. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Uh, so Apollo 13 holds up very well. Yes, it does. Secondly, I'd like to bring up Terminal Velocity, <laughs> yes. which we had watched here. A movie that when before we started watching it, I said, Patrick, what is the first movie? You said it will be Terminal Velocity, which I yeah. thought, oh, cool. I've seen that movie. I haven't seen it in quite a while, so I don't remember much. Only to realize I've never seen <laughs> Terminal Velocity. The VHS cover is burned into my brain. Okay. I think that's why I thought it's I like saw her it. falling and then a close up of Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen. And with uh, like a quote that says like jaw dropping action or something like <laughs> yeah, that. I'm sure it does. Um <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> okay. That movie was super fun. Yay. And I think once I figured out, like, and I get again, I think you and Adam touched on this last week that the movie knows what it is. Um, what is it? Sorry, it's even no. better. Fast and fun. I mean, describe you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it is both of those things. Uh, that movie was super fast, super fun. You know what was not fast though, and I think I brought this up to you while we were watching it. Charlie Sheen jogs any anytime he has to run i swear to god he just jogs everywhere and i found that very funny he's not in a hurry <laughs> he's not uh but that movie was a lot of fun i'm so and, glad what did your girls think of it uh they both they both liked it evie i think my oldest girl here remember i think she even said out loud she doesn't <laughs> she puts she doesn't like when people put things together in a movie so she doesn't like when things start to get solved it just makes like she gets uh it's it's too much for her. Like she she will say that uh, the first time she saw my cousin Vinny almost broke her when they start to like solve the Would crime. Would she rather like, thing oh be things be unresolved? I don't know. Either unresolved or just like quickly someone says, okay. "Hey, by the way, Patrick did it. We don't need to go into how or why." <laughs> it's like the putting together. You should show her clue. <laughs> yeah, just watch her face melt like tote in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> the putting together of like those pieces really. So she said, like, uh, it was touch and go a little bit, <laughs> terminal velocity when things started to be put together. But she had fun. And Mia loved, like, Mia loves everything. So Luckily, Charlie Sheen does not put anything together in terminal velocity. <laughs> he has to have everything spelled out for him because he is playing a dope in that Which movie. Which is so great. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and that movie was so much fun. And I was wondering, like, I wonder if had I seen it, you know, just by myself, I'm pretty sure I'd still have fun. But it helped to be with a yeah. group of people that all... Like, I saw it in theaters in 94 and was like, yeah, that was, I just always referred to it as like the Charlie Sheen skydiving movie and thought it was fine. I remembered the scene where him and Gandolfini are eating certs. Like, that was the only thing that stuck out in my head. And then I rewatched it on the Kino Blu-ray, I don't know, a year or two ago and had this revelation. I was like, holy shit, I love Terminal Velocity. This movie's awesome. It's like this undiscovered gem. So I, I would describe it as... Not just fun, but fast. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone else would agree, but uh, that's where my brain goes. Um, I haven't had yet a June exploitation like uh, movie knock me on my ass. Just okay. yet. I'm holding okay. on hope. But the, maybe the are you quote, watching all new stuff or are you rewatching stuff? Mostly new stuff. Okay, but I've rewatched some stuff. Okay. Um, Western Day. I did two on Western Day. I, I've been on a Spaghetti Western kick. Spaghetti Westerns have been, for me, like the way you and I talk about Star Trek. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good or bad, I don't care there's a right. Spaghetti Western on. And yeah. I've held 
on to uh, Death Rides a Horse. Okay. Um, for June Exploitation, and I don't know if it was my mood or what, <laughs> but that movie did not... Uh, that movie disappointed me, and I was pretty bummed out until I put on The Homesman afterwards, a movie I had oh. not seen, and was re- I really, really liked that movie. I didn't know anything going in. Okay, that's probably the best way to see it. Yeah, and I, so I almost don't want to talk too much about yeah. it, but it just, the tone right away, I was like, what the hell is this movie? Um, Tommy Lee Jones directed that, right? Tommy Lee Jones directed I it. Thought, yeah. I think he co-wrote it. Okay. Um, weirdo. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. But I, I love watching them. And that, that movie, that movie is real good. I, yeah. I like that quite a bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, it takes a turn that I did not see coming. No, not at all. And makes it way more interesting than it probably otherwise would have been. Yep. No, I, I enjoy that one quite a bit. So that's been my favorite. So that's been my favorite new watch. Yeah, that's a good one. I watched Shin Godzilla as well. That's a really good one. It is. Yeah. It, that was one that almost like while I was watching it, I knew I liked it. I didn't know how much I liked it, but I don't think I've stopped thinking about it since. I watched that on Monsters Day. That's one of um, the few um, Godzilla movies that makes the human stuff sort of as interesting as the monster stuff, which yeah. rarely happens because right. it's so funny and satirical and like interesting in what it's having to say about like Japanese bureaucracy and yeah. stuff like that. It's fascinating. And usually the human stuff is just a fucking placeholder until we get more monsters. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah no, that stuff was, yeah, very funny, insightful. Uh, there's like a lot of, it's like a, an Apollo 13 movie too. A lot of like <laughs> right. people in a room trying to figure shit out. It was really interesting. Um, yeah. And I like the Godzilla stuff. It was really good. Yeah, the they, Godzilla stuff is great. Right. Uh, that's the one I'm, so far, I'm pretty eager to go back and watch again. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's better, I think, than any of the recent American Godzillas. Oh, sure, right? Like, I enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong when I saw it. Like, we watched it on HBO Max because it was like mid-pandemic. Yep. And I was like, this is entertaining, and I've never had any desire to go back to it. Same with Godzilla King of the Monsters. Same with King of the Monsters. For sure. Same of, like, Godzilla 2014. Uh, Not Godzilla 98, oddly enough. That's (laughs) my favorite of them all. (laughs) Godzilla King of the Monsters is one I always think, another one that I want to go back to. I saw it the one time in the theater, thought it was fine, if not a little disappointed. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I'd like to go back, and maybe I need to with my expectations now a little yeah i just feel like if i'm gonna watch a godzilla movie i'll probably watch like an old godzilla movie yeah which i am i i i have affection for godzilla and i enjoy whenever godzilla movies on but i i am by no means an expert and would love to actually sit down like get that criterion box set or something and really go through those movies I've seen most of them. I can't tell them apart. Oh, so, sure. like, if you sat me down and said, like, we're going to watch this one, I would say, oh, I've never seen that. And then I probably have <laughs> uh, because I just don't remember them. But uh, they're very entertaining. Oh, yeah. Very much so. So, yeah, that's what I've seen lately. That's what you've seen? All yep. right. I saw the second best thing Ron Howard has ever made. Bryce Dallas Howard <laughs> in... <laughs> Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion. I'm just kidding. She's the best thing Ron Howard yeah, ever made. She is. Um 
What do I say about Jurassic World Dominion? Do you think you'll do a podcast on it? No, we Adam. talked about it. Adam and I were going to because we we're like, well, we got to complete the trilogy. Yeah, you mentioned it last week. And then he walked out 40 minutes in, I think, and I texted him and said, you know, you don't have to go back. We don't have to do a podcast on it because I, I honestly don't know what I would say. Like, I don't even know what to say on this little short review Except that, like, I thought it was pretty boring and really stupid. I've seen it described as the Rise of Skywalker of Jurassic World movies. I think that's a pretty apt description. Um, right away, they introduce this evil corporation called... Oh, shit. Biosyn. Biosyn. Right? Thank you. <laughs> right? I was going to say Syngen, but either one is... So dumb, uh, run by Campbell Scott. And it's just fascinating that they set up uh, a movie at the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. They set up, okay, now humans and dinosaurs coexist because the dinosaurs have been let loose into the world. And then the movie has no interest in actually exploring that. And it's just like, what if we went into a laboratory and had to get out and like steal some DNA or something? It's like this fetch quest bullshit. Um, so most of it is just about this evil corporation and their laboratory instead of being about humans and dinosaurs having to coexist in the world. It seems so easy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's right there. I think one person gets eaten by a dinosaur in a two and a half hour movie about dinosaurs, (laughs) you know, like, uh, and I was not a fan of either of the previous two movies. I've come around a little bit on Jurassic World. I can put it on now and be like, well, this delivers on the premise, which is like, what if dinosaurs got out in a theme park? Um, which is, you know, what the original is about, except the theme park wasn't open. Yeah, yeah, right. So the the appeal of Jurassic World is like, well, the park's open, and then dinosaurs get out and eat people, and a yeah. lot of people get eaten in that movie. Uh, and it's entertaining enough. It's really stupid, but... Um, there's just like zero characterization. They do very little with the legacy cast. I just don't know about this Colin Trevorrow fella. <laughs> I know. I like Safety Not Guaranteed. I do too. But I haven't gone back to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I never saw The Book of Henry. No, neither have I. I've seen, yeah, I Safety Not it's Guaranteed. Like disastrous. Yeah. Um, yeah, Safety Not Guaranteed, I liked a lot, and I've seen, well, his one Jurassic Park movie, I haven't right. seen the new one yet, and, yeah. I think it's a pretty significant step down. Okay. Um. That's too bad. I, I have not loved the last two Jurassic Park movies, but that first trailer especially, I have to admit, yeah, right. uh, got me excited to see this one. It's got the little piano theme, and it's got yep. the old cast, yep. and you're like, look, everybody's together, but... Good Lord, they don't know what to do with anyone. I mean, Chris Pratt, like, originally didn't have much of a character to play. I don't know how to explain how much less of a character he has to play in Jurassic World (laughs) Dominion than he did in Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom. Like, he is a nothing of a person on screen. Okay. I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer that, like, it can't even be... You can't even walk away from it saying, "Well, at least I, I got two and a half hours of a fucking dinosaur movie." So, you, do you know what I mean? Like, there's at least, a lot of dinosaurs in it, but it's on around. paper that should be fun, yes. right? Yes, like, not, of course. Not boring. Or... No, it's uh, it's really not good. But my kids liked it, so well, that's good. That's something. Yeah. Um, 
The other night we did a 1982 double feature because we're celebrating 40 years of 1982, my favorite movie year ever. Uh, so we watched Six Pack and The Road Warrior. Six Pack is a movie that I had wanted. To, as a kid, I wanted to see Six Pack more than anything in the world. Kenny Rogers okay. is a stock car racer who inherits a group of orphans. <laughs> and as a kid, I One, was like, please. I need to see Six Pack. And I don't know why I didn't or couldn't, because uh, it's a PG movie. It's not like, um, I I don't feel like I wasn't allowed. And I know we had cable, maybe. Maybe this was before we had cable, and I would just read about it in the TV guide and be like, I want to see this movie Fairy Tale. And my mom's like, no. And I well, then can I see Six Pack? And she's like, no. Uh, that was before we started recording. Nobody's going to get that joke. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I have no idea why I wanted to see Six Pack and why I couldn't. But finally, 40 years later, uh, I have seen Six Pack and it did not disappoint. Oh, like really did not disappoint? I mean, I was so entertained by it. Oh, like, it's great, not though. good, right. really, but I was very entertained by it. Um, two of the orphans are played by Diane Lane and Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, wow. So it's got that going for it. Yeah. And the rest are kids you've never seen in anything. And Aaron Gray plays the love interest. Um, six pack. Yes. Yeah, Where have pack. you been all my life? I, <laughs> right. I don't think I was even aware of that movie. Till, uh, well, I'm glad to put it on now. your radar because it will improve your life. Yeah, there it is. Six pack. Yeah, there it is. Kenny Rogers and some orphans. Brewster Baker. Brewster Baker. Diane Lane is breezy. That's her name. That's yes. Not, I'm not. She's fast and fun. Yeah. Um, yes. Her name is breezy, but her real name is Heather, and she insists that everyone call her Heather, and no one will. Every, and it <laughs> never pays off. At no point does Kenny Rogers say, like, breezy, I mean... Heather, and it shows character growth, you know, because now he's calling her by the name that she right. wants to be called. Doesn't happen. He just calls her Breezy, and she answers to it. So what are we doing? Uh, and then we watched The Road Warrior, which is a very good movie. Yes, it is. But I stand by the fact that I like Mad Max better. Okay. I I am... I don't know if this is a... Oh, in fact, I think you said this last week on the podcast that it's an Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I still prefer the Road Warrior, but I love Mad Max. Yeah, it's so good. It is so good. Where are you at on um, Beyond Thunderdome? I like Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. But it's my least favorite of the yeah, four. Yeah, probably mine too. Um, it, Adam Thoss and I... We're obsessed with Mad Max. We would watch Mad Max all the time with our friend Brian. Oh, this is, you can cut this out of the podcast. Is, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not about, going. I'm to. about to waste everybody's time. Oh, cool. But we, when I think of, <laughs> when I think of Mad Max. I think of there's at one point somebody says, "I don't have to work with a blasphemer." Okay. Our friend Brian was convinced. He says, "I don't have to work with a blaspheme." We would say, no, it's blasphemer. This was a big argument. So finally, we're like, L listen. So we rewound it and played it. And he, So he was like, no, no, no. What he's doing is he's taking a breath at the end. He says, I don't have to work with a blasphemer. Is this Brian that I know? No, no, no. Okay, no, okay, it's okay. someone who's long gone. Okay. Uh, so his he he died on that hill. He said, no. He says, I don't have to work with the blaspheme. <laughs> so... When you guys were talking about Mad Max, I was like, oh, that's all I can think of. Was, I don't have to work with the blaspheme. <laughs> anyway, I'm so sorry. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Oh, Brian. Yeah, if only you could watch it with him now and put the subtitles on. <laughs> yeah, know. right? Thank you. Yeah. Hold on, my mic just cut out. Okay, there it is. We're back. We're back. Um, Mad Max Beyond Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't do it as good as you. It was convinced. Uh, and then that's probably all I'm going to talk about. Um, I mean, we did a. Oh, I rewatched Child's Play 2 oh, for okay. Slasher Day. Okay. Because I felt like rewatching Child's Play 2 because it just got announced that it's coming out in 4K and I'm not going to upgrade to 4K. Uh, that movie is not great, but I've seen it more than any of the Child's Play movies. Oh, really? More than one? Yeah. Um, it's not great. I, I definitely like it. So we watched. So again, I've established on this podcast more than once that I've I have two daughters, and my oldest is scared of everything, and my youngest loves can't get enough of it. So we watched Mia, my youngest, and myself one day watched Child's Play. Evie happened to be in the room. She stuck it out. Wow. Said, you know what? That was good. I can handle it. So then For we, real? Yes. How is she able to handle child's play? Then, fast forward, it's just the three of us again. Mia wants to watch something scary. I was like, Evie, what about child's play two? She's like, all right, I handled the first one. Barely made it through child's play two. She's like, this is so much scarier. She had a really hard time. Well, I don't agree with that I at don't, all, I don't either. I found that... Very fascinating. I don't think Child's Play 2 is scary at all. No, but, and if she... honestly, if not for that extended set piece at the end in the Toy Factory, mm-hmm. I don't know how much I would like it. Because the stuff with the foster parents doesn't totally interest me. Um, and the the death scenes are not... I mean, Child's Play isn't really known for like creative kills. When you think about no. the first movie, it's like, well, he pushes her out a window. Uh, and this one is like he falls down the stairs and breaks his neck or gets Beth Grant like gets beat with a ruler or something. Yeah. I don't know what happens. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then we get to the toy factory. Toy factory is great. And it's fucking insane. And my favorite thing that Chucky does is like yell and scream. <laughs> and he does it so much in Child's Play 2. <laughs> yeah. It cracks me up like him screaming and he does it so much in that movie so that's maybe why i give the advantage to child's play too i don't know it gives me super nostalgia for like early 90s universal mm-hmm. uh i i watched it a ton on vhs and on cable and uh so i have very warm memories of child's play too i totally get it yeah. well, i like it overall but uh scarier than the first evie disagree Tamaro. evie i'm with you fast and scary Child's play. Maybe they put things two. together. And... <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Mimic. Okay, from 1997. Now I watched the director's cut. Same Z's because I don't own the theatrical cut. Same, which is out on DVD, I believe. Okay, I kind of wish both versions were available on the Blu-ray. Same, but I can't really speak to the differences because even the little bit of research I did told me that it's about six minutes longer, um, but doesn't really tell me what was changed. So what he did, I, I can't necessarily speak of specifics okay. other than to say he, I mean, he being Guillermo del Toro. Right. Um, on your Mount Rushmore. I, I think on my Mount Rushmore. You think? You're not sure. Well, who, no, who I, could he, he is, swap I, I out with? This is super stressful, and I was very stressed. Go through the Mount Rushmore time. again. Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, 
John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. But then I'm like, but I'm leaving off uh, so many. Spielberg. How do we leave off Spielberg and uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and Coppola and the Coens and right? Um, yeah, you only get four. Yeah, I know. So I'm not shit. So I I I feel like I'm not. I feel like I'm married to at least a couple of those. Okay. I'm not prepared to do this right now. <laughs> I literally, last time we did this podcast, I drove home pretty obsessed with what I had to say about who, who would be yeah. Mount Rushmore. Um, Are you ride but, or die for every Del Toro movie? No. Okay. But but I can find things. I can find things in Pacific Rim, for example, which is probably my least favorite. Yeah. I that that funny. I that I like and appreciate, and I see his fingerprints. On it in a good way. Yeah. Um, so no, I I don't know that I'm not that you have to be right. No, die I know for every right movie. Um, because you're probably not ride or die for every John Carpenter either. Except no, I'm but the Ward. Yeah, right. I can and memoirs of an invisible man, See, which isn't even a bad movie. No, it's just I know not a Carpenter right. movie, you know. Like but otherwise, I think I can find stuff to like in every Carpenter movie. Yeah. Sam Raimi's up there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't do this right now. All right, so we have three of the four, and then we're just going to swap out that fourth. Yeah, one I feel like the fourth month. is rotating. Okay. Um. Anyway, so what he did? So when he, you know, this is his second film. He does Chronos. Miramax loves it. Uh, wants him to do. I think actually the initial idea was they wanted to do an anthology. And yeah, they, that's what I read. That there was going to be three like thirty minute okay. films. I think Brian Singer was one. Okay. The directors. I don't know who else was involved. Uh, and he, he initially wanted to do a short story by George R. R. Martin, My Worlds Colliding. <laughs> um, On your Mount Rushmore of authors. Oh, yeah. He's, he's one through four. It's him and Beverly Cleary. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't have a band named after a Beverly Cleary book. Did, yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. 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 Um, so I assume she's on your, of course. Okay, she's one through three. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I had the right author for. Yeah. For, okay. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, so they they couldn't get the rights to, and he said, "I just want to do something with bugs. I'd be happy with that." So whatever they find the story, um, they make him use a second unit, which is something he said after working on this movie. It's something he will never do. He doesn't uh, use a second unit? He does not. He said he understands in some instances, if you truly are like, have a deadline you have to meet, but he felt the second unit was completely unnecessary on, on Mimic. It was sort of thrust upon him. So the director's cut, one of the things is, he said he took out 95% of the second unit okay. f- footage. Okay. Um, s- some of it, like there's one, the scene where Mir Servino and... F. Murray Abraham are talking um, in the that museum mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that was shot by second unit. And that was he was he was uh, pretty devastated about that because that was I think the favorite bit that he wrote, and that he was told producer said second unit's going to direct that. So he's like, I don't even necessarily have a problem with how they shot it. They shot it differently than I would have, but um, he was bummed about that. Robert Rodriguez was one of the second unit directors. No way. Yeah, and he kept some of his stuff. Um, this but f- is bizarre. Yeah, but for, but for the most part, he said he took something like 95% of that stuff out. He'll never use and never has used a second unit again. Wow. 
Um, so that was one of his learning experiences. So, so I couldn't tell you like what scenes were removed or, um, oh, I know the scene where, um, they fish the body, uh, what's his toes? Fishes the body out of the water. Reedus? Um, no. Oh. Uh, the one dude looks like Reedus. Um, oh, come on. I gotta look it up now. (laughs) I'm so, every time I'm on this podcast, I, I mean, Reedus is in Anyway, somebody fishes. Reedus is the bass player, right? Or is that not Reedus? No, that might be Reedus. Where she says he's the bass player in my yeah. band. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell? Anyway, when somebody fishes a body out of the, the uh, kid's body out of the water, that's yeah. a scene he added. Okay. That was not in the theatrical cut. Okay. But yeah, other than that, I can't tell you like what scenes or anything were taken right. out. It was just a lot of second unit stuff that he wasn't happy with. Interesting. So mm-hmm. he took out a bunch of stuff and then must have added a bunch of stuff back in. If it's yeah, six I minutes assume if it's longer, six longer, correct. right? Again, I haven't seen it in twenty five years, so I can't speak to. There were a few things like the Josh Brolin death scene when that came up. I was like, ah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, not much else. <laughs> there was very little that like stuck in my brain. Okay. Um. I liked it. I can't say I loved it. That's my review, I think. Okay. I, I think I don't know what its reputation is now, honestly. But I, I feel like it had a poor reputation before. And I don't know that I agree that it's I don't think it's a bad movie. No. But but I don't I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great either. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's uh, he obviously likes bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Does a lot with bugs in his movies. And this is his buggiest of movies. The notion of this breed of insect that has evolved to the point where it is mimicking human beings is interesting. And this movie does nothing with it. No, I know. We get to see like one standing around on a subway platform, which I wish was just like a series of bugs wearing like Mm -hmm. an overcoat and a fedora just like trying to get into a rated R movie. It's funny you say that because he ta- I'm going to quote his his commentary a okay. lot, which yeah, I think I'm glad I, you listened to it because I didn't have a chance. To um, yeah, I've, I've listened to it uh, a few times. It's great. Nice. Um, his commentaries are always good. And this one's particularly interesting because he, um, I think I mentioned on the last podcast when we talked about this, so he says like, I'm, I'm going to talk as much as I legally can, but he's very candid um, about what went right and what went, went wrong. And, uh, oh, sorry, what were we, I was talking about how I wish. Oh, the hat. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, he said for the most part, like he won a lot of the visual battles. Like, okay. um, he said Mira Sorvino, Quentin Tarantino really went to bat for him and kept him employed, but he lost so many of the script battles. Okay. Um, and they asked him to bring on other writers at at various times right so john sales was one right he loved his draft um the studio didn't didn't love it uh then he brought on steven soderbergh and the way he described that i did not read i read about john sales i didn't read soderbergh he said soderbergh he said quote he delivered a truly deranged draft. <laughs> um, he said I, he loved it, but he told Stephen, like, we can't, this is not, this is okay. a totally different movie. But he yeah. said Steven Soderbergh, like, the mimics would wear, like, baseball caps. Okay. So just got it. You reminded me of that. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. He said, like, the dialogue, Soderbergh's dialogue was great. Everything was great. But he said it was just 
unfilmable. <laughs> well, we get the one scene of the mimic standing on the subway platform, and then we get Mir Sorvino sort of realizing somebody says something like, what are they standing around watching us or whatever? And she's like, ah, maybe they already are among us, you know? And other than that, I don't feel like they do much with this premise of them mimicking humans. So there's almost no reason for that to be part of the thing, which is like the title of the movie. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Otherwise it could just be about giant bugs that live in the subway. Right. I agree. I don't think that works. And I don't know if, uh, yeah, I mean, like we, you know, we see her like put together like the pictures, and you see like the right, face, right, right, and that's right. what. So I don't, I don't know if like the implication is like they're on their way because they're they're quickly evolving. I'm making excuses. I no, no, you, no, no. You're 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 absolutely right. Like it feels like a missed opportunity, but I don't know if it's like her putting it together. Like they're on their they're starting the mimicking right. process and they're not quite there yet or better movie. She finds out two thirds of the way through that. Jeremy Northam is actually a bug, <laughs> right? Which would explain why that dude sucks. <laughs> so he wanted, uh, one of the guys he wanted was John Turturro. Oh, okay. I read role. Andre Brower. Okay. That's because cool. he was interested in the end of the movie, which I don't think works. I think Jeremy Northam should sacrifice himself and not survive. That feels yes. like a reshoot to me. Yep. Um, and then the last line just being like, <laughs> we're going to have a baby. Yep. It's so weird. Anyway, um, he wanted, um, a black man and a white woman and a Latino kid to represent sort of, this is the future, which in 97 is pretty forward thinking, right? For sure. Uh, and of course the wine scenes were like, no, that'll never fly. Uh, he also wanted... I think Northam's character to at one point to be gay and they said no. Um, cause he said he just, he liked the idea of, um, like having like the women stronger than the men. Sure. You know, uh, a gay, a gay character who's strong and yeah, he just, he was shot down at every, every awesome. turn. Yeah. So luckily things have gotten way better. <laughs> right. <laughs> now we have, uh, actors of color playing supporting roles but not lead roles Mm -hmm. and we have uh, passing mentions there's like a passing mention in jurassic world dominion that like one of the supporting characters is a lesbian but it's never confirmed but she says something about how like yeah i like redheads too to chris pratt and it's like okay but we can't actually make her gay in this 250 million dollar Four quadrant blockbuster that yep. has to play around the world. Yep. That's Fuck everything. Fuck everything is right. <laughs> um, why does Jeremy Northam suck? I don't know. Cause you, he's, he's so bland. I mean, yeah. how did you describe him? Like a piece of white bread. Yeah. yeah. A piece of white bread. Yeah. He just is. He, yeah. He's so bland. He does not pop off the screen at all. Um, Love Mira Sorvino. Love Mira Sorvino. I think she's great in this. She's great all the time. But she's he, great all the time. And again, I discovered this in a little bit of reading that I did. And then you told me after listening to the commentary that she was very protective of him mm-hmm. um, and fought for him, including when they tried to have him fired. Mm-hmm. And she's the reason that he didn't get fired. He says at the end of the commentary something like, this cut of the movie and this commentary is for Mira, he said, who I owe. Like, 
you know, everything to, and he said, I think she went to bat to me, maybe at the detriment of her career, which is so God fucked up and sad. Um, but yeah, ex- exactly. He said she was, uh, it's Charles Dutton went to bat for him. Okay. Uh, you as, got rock going, well, ex- fighting exactly. for you. He said they wanted second unit to shoot Charles Dutton's death scene. And Charles Dutton said, I, Guillermo shoots it or no one shoots nice. it. Right. So he said he went to bat for him, and I, I said like he said Tarantino went to bat for him. Uh, constantly had people going to bat for him because they would look at the, um, they were they were upset with the, the producers were upset with the pace. Um, I mean they, they were fighting with him very early stages. They said he Guillermo said they were in a meeting, and the producer said, "All right, since it's in New York, we want the bug to be a cockroach." And he said, he was like, no, no, no. He said, my, his, <laughs> his heart sank. He said, if we're, if we do that, then we're the cockroach movie. Like right. we want, he had a whole right. idea for this whole like beetle, some kind of beetle thing. Okay. He said, that was a huge, like, oh, <laughs> I'm in New York. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm a mimic. <laughs> Don't I look human, love? <laughs> it's just me. Normal human man. <laughs> Um, um, <laughs> I'm, I totally this is the way I walk to the subway eight days a week. <laughs> totally normal. Uh, this is so I went a really long way to get to that <laughs> dumb joke. It was worth it. Yep. Um, um, he wanted it to be a weird beetle. Oh yeah, I wanted it to be a weird beetle, and they were insistent on a cockroach and. He said then, like, they, you know, came up with the, this bug design, and they're like, <laughs> it looks too much like a bug. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? Yeah, that's a problem when you have a movie about your giant bug. <laughs> exactly. You don't want it uh, to look like a bug. Yeah. So all that shit was a constant, was a compromise, to say the least. I mean, um, like, we knew the wine scenes sucked at the time, because enough stories came out about mm-hmm. how they would recut stuff and how combative they were. But, like, obviously, I mean... The Harvey Weinstein stuff aside, where he's literally a criminal, mm-hmm. um, I guess I just didn't know the extent to which they were the worst. Yeah. Because I can't even understand why they want Del Toro. They hire him off of Kronos. Just to handcuff him. Right. And yeah. then say, now don't do anything that makes you you. And, it, and he's not the only filmmaker they did that no, to. No, for sure. And he mentions, like, he said some people he couldn't mention, but he mentioned Michael Phillips, I believe, as a producer, who okay. was very, like, made a lot of suggestions that he didn't agree with. Okay. Um, so it wasn't just the wine scenes. Like, okay. He was getting it from, from all over. And he said it, it, it hurt at the script, at the script level. Um, but he but he, he did say like, he learned, he learned so much on this shoot too. Like he tries to be glass half full about the whole thing. Like, okay. He, he developed much of his visual style, um, on this shoot. Like there's a lot of, he uses green or blues and ambers, which he uses throughout his filmography. Um, you know, he's very interested in color having meaning and, right. um, yeah, that shit goes over my head at the time until he <laughs> until he tells me. And what I don't it know how I feel about this sort of puke green aesthetic of this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like a Del Toro movie. It does, but I don't know that it does to its benefit. I don't know. And I was watching this in the context of his larger career, and I'm not as familiar with his work as you are. And he's not 
one of my guys, even though I get excited every time he has a new movie coming out. Um, but it's fascinating that like he's allowed to make this quote unquote original movie with Mimic and they try to strip away everything that is Del Toro about him. And then his next movie is Blade 2, right? His next movie is actually Devil's Backbone. Oh, shit. Okay. He goes away from Hollywood. But they, before he makes Devil's Backbone, they come to him and say, and offer him quite a bit of money to do Blade 2. Yeah. To leave Devil's, to to not do oh, Devil's okay. Backbone, okay. to do Blade 2. And he said, if you want me for Blade 2, you can wait. He felt like, I think he needed to like cleanse his palate. Yeah, sure. Um, so he goes off and does does Devil's Backbone, which is a great, great movie. Uh, which does just that. It cleanses his palate. Yeah. He goes to do Blade 2, which was, according to him, a great experience. And yeah, I mean, working inside of a larger franchise, again, working inside the Hollywood system, working with a giant movie star like Wesley Snipes. And he said a much bigger budget than Mimic right. was Blade 2. And Wesley Snipes, who is reportedly difficult, who he had a good experience with, he right? Did. Yeah, very much. Um, and just he makes a movie that's like so Del Toro. Blade Two might still be my favorite Del Toro. movie. It's awesome. Yeah, I we've I know I've talked about it over the years on this podcast. So like I I had to come around on Del Toro. Like I always loved him. Yeah, and like listening to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, kind of how I am. Too. Didn't always love his movie. Something eventually clicked. But I remember going to see Blade Two with Thos in the theater and walking. It was almost too much for me okay um if that makes sense at all yeah like the action is so great it's so fast and fun <laughs> um i remember walking out <laughs> only being like, one movie is fast <laughs> and fun <laughs> True. okay listen uh watching blade 2 now i'm not sure why that was the case um because i mean it's it's great the action's great but it's not overwhelmingly so right but w- for whatever reason that was kind of my reaction at the time but now watching it it's also one of my favorite do you have a favorite del toro movie i think for the longest time uh, i'm anything if not unoriginal (laughs) as everyone knows so for the longest time i think it was pan's labyrinth but it might be the shape of water now oh interesting okay i watched that on monster day oh nice nice um and i really love i haven't revisited it i really liked it when i saw it and i think i had it like number two or three on my top 10 and i've never gone back to watch it again i really love it it's a very it's a just a beautiful movie. Yeah. Great score. Um, yeah. And one of those movies that I, I don't think many people could pull off. And I think he does every step of the way. I love that movie. So that honestly might be my favorite, but I love, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone, Hellboy 2, Blade 2. They're yeah. All, they're all up there. It's got a lot of good ones. I'm a big fan of um, Nightmare Alley. I've seen it a number of times. It's uh, very watchable. I've only seen it once. I know you didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was okay. I like it quite a bit. Okay. That's the thing with me and Del Toro is like I like his movies when I see them and then I don't revisit them. I don't think I've seen Pan's Labyrinth since the theater. Okay. I'd be curious for you to... It's super good. I think I own yeah. most of his movies, but I don't rewatch them and I don't know why. That's why I know he's probably like not one of my guys. But... Oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, I'm like Nightmare Alley is a good example of a movie I'm glad. Well, most of these movies, I like I said, took me a while to... to... Took a while. <laughs> for him to click with me so uh, obviously i'm glad i rewatched these movies but nightmare alley is a good example of a movie the first time i saw it i liked it enough and then i went back and saw it again and really liked it okay um and yeah his movie's 
just. But you prefer the color version, correct? I do prefer the color. Okay. Version. Black and white versions need it's fine, but I much is the black the and white is is the four K out yet? No, I don't think so. Okay, no. I thought it was coming, but then I haven't seen anything with the black it. and white. I don't know. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, so no. I mean, there. I think there is a four K. I don't have a four K. Okay, TV. got it, got it. So I have it on Blu-ray, and okay. I think there is a 4K version, but it's Blu-ray. pretty stripped Blu-ray, but it's pretty stripped down. Like, the black and white's not on there. What the shit? I wanted it to be, like, a bonus feature. Which, right, which just led me to believe there's going to be some... I don't know, know, man. Criterion's put a bunch of his movies out. That maybe. is true, but they just put out the OG uh, true, Nightmare true. Alley. True, true. Um I'm trying to find the 4K. Yeah, the 4K exists, but I don't think it has the black and white. Boo. Boo. Boo hiss. Um, you mentioned Charles Dutton's death scene. I wish the death scenes were more interesting in this movie. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, there's really only... Well, I guess there's four, because if you count the two kids, uh, and then Josh Brolin, Giancarlo Giannini, and Charles Dutton, and none of them are like, for as much as he likes staging that stuff, you would think it would be better. Yeah, honestly, the most memorable death scene to me is the priest in the beginning who hits his head. <laughs> who hits his head on the paint can and it splatters. Like oh blood yeah, yeah, the, yeah, I love yeah. that gag. Okay, yeah, splatters right. like blood on the glass. Yeah, um, but no, otherwise I agree with you. So much of it's in dark darkness and well, the um, whole yeah, the whole subway tunnel setting for the last half of this movie is unfortunately kind of uninteresting to me mm-hmm. aesthetically. Um, whatever, you know, I get it in terms of the story that he's telling. I'm just I'm surprised for a guy who loves monsters as much as he does and whose monsters tend to be somewhat three-dimensional or sympathetic. Yeah, you root for his monsters. In subsequent movies. Yeah. In this one, they're just... They're bugs. They're bugs. Right. Like the bugs in Starship Troopers, you know? And and yet they are not responsible for their own existence. It's it's our fault. And that right. isn't really gone into either. I just... I compare it to You're like... Right. You get to Blade Two, and those monsters are fucking Shakespearean. Absolutely. And in this, they're just bugs. It's true. And I, I wonder, again, not to make excuses because I don't know. No, I, I wonder if some of it is, if if that script battle that he lost, um, but but maybe not. I don't know. He he did say the producers insisted on explaining the bugs where he said you strip the bugs of their magic if we give, if we explain them too much. And by explain okay. them, I assume... Um, well, I, you know, as I said, I'm not sure what. So, I mean, I guess you 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 need to explain though. Like, why, I didn't feel like it was overly. Explanatory. Yeah, as I'm saying that out loud, I don't know that it yeah. that I agree. Um, but I I do know that was a battle that he felt he lost. Okay, I don't know. Again, I think the idea, the central idea, is interesting in terms of like there's this disease that's ravaging the city. Killing children, we invent a species of bug and, you know, engineer a species of bug to go after it and then it gets out of control and, you know, but the whole thing about like, we just have to take down the male and at one point Mir Sorvino even has to say like, that's the male, like, no, we got it, everybody. Um it just feels like there's a lot of missed opportunities here. And again, I Agreed. know that it's a compromised movie, you know, and 
it's interesting because because it's del Toro, I end up reviewing the movie that he wanted it to be, as opposed to like, if it was some hack filmmaker, I would be like, it's compromised, but who cares? What matters is what's on the screen. Yep. I agree. And that's a total double standard on my part. Totally. No, I'm with you. I totally agree. And he, he says he did. He said that like when he was growing up, he would say things like, man, why do Hollywood movies suck so much? He's like, (laughs) and then I made this movie and I was like, Oh, that's why. Yikes. Like it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm surprised he ever came back to uh, Hollywood. You me, know? Yeah, no, me too. Because he could have just continued making movies in Mexico, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and a lot of his great movies are, you know, yeah, made out of that country. Uh, because he's made some. Well, I guess just just Pacific Rim, I would consider as like I might like this more than Pacific Rim, but that's <laughs> probably it. I think I agree. I think Pacific Rim is my least favorite. Yeah. Because um, this has at least the cool bugs. I like the Josh Brolin performance. I wish he was in it more. So and it's he, such a weird time for him in his career because it's like... He wanted him in it more. Okay. They hit it off famously. Okay. Um, but it, yeah, just again, one of those things, his part just got dwindled more and more yeah. and more. Um, but he loved working with, with Brolin. But then and they don't work together again, right? Well, right. I mean... Didn't work with Mira Sorino again. True. Either. Can he? Can somebody give her like the right. role that brings her back? I had her IMDb up and it's like she continues to work, but it's in movies that I've never heard of. It's just too bad. It sucks. She was in Stuber. I don't remember her in Stuber and I oh, saw Stuber. I didn't see Stuber. You're fine. I'm sure. I don't remember her being in the movie and can't for the life of me imagine who she played. Um, she did an arc on Modern Family. A lot of TV shows, a lot of just movies I've never heard of, including like made-for-TV movies and stuff like that. The last, besides Stuber, I feel like it's like hearing you say Stuber. She did a couple episodes of Psych. I'm trying to find like the last big movie she did besides Stuber. Gods and Generals. Okay. The gray zone. I mean, that's going back to like 2001. Yeah, wow. That we're going it's 20 years back to find like when Mira Sorvino was acting in theatrical movies. It's crazy. Fucking sucks. And Josh Brolin is at such a weird point in his career because it's like between I'm the kid actor yeah. and I'm Josh Brolin superstar. So he's popping up in movies like this and... And he's great. The little bit he's in it, yeah. I always enjoy. You know, enjoy some. You know, he's married to Diane Lane. I do from know six that. Six pack. <laughs> She's breezy, B- breezy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> Please, it's Heather. <laughs> okay, breezy. <laughs> Kenny Rogers, by the way, when he made that movie, was younger than I am now. <laughs> really? So that's a good feeling. <laughs> Because Kenny Rogers always looked 60. Always. Oh, that's great. No, it's not. No. (laughs) No, it is not great. It is decidedly ungreat. What else about Mimic? Um, I don't know. Again, other than I, I find it watchable, not great, maybe better than its reputation. Um, there's an interesting footnote in his filmography so film so early in his filmography 
Yeah. And uh, again, worth worth listening to the commentary. Yeah, I need to do that. And it's it's great because he's towards the end of the commentary. He talks about like he re- really credits Mimic, all the good and all the bad. Sort of just taught him invaluable lessons. Sure. And, and um, like I never want to work second unit again. And, right. Um, that's fascinating that even on something like Pacific Rim, he doesn't have a second unit. It's yeah, that's insane because he makes big movies. He does. I mean, not all of them are big, right? But I would think, right. Some of them would incorporate a second unit, and uh, I think it's neat that Robert Rodriguez is one of the. Yeah, well, they, he was Dimensions Boy. Yeah, I that's guess, true, right? Yeah. So at this time, although he hadn't, well, from Dust Till Dawn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. It's between From Dust Till Dawn and The Faculty. Right, right, right. Which The Faculty is like about as good as Mimic. Sure, yeah. We need to, we need to calm down I, on The <laughs> Faculty a little bit, everybody. <laughs> it's fun, it's entertaining. Let's all chill out a little bit. I might do that again in October. Okay. I feel like I haven't seen the faculty in uh, quite a while. Quite a while. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the movie definitely has a Jeremy Northam problem, and he becomes interesting only in that Charles Dutton hates him. <laughs> right. And they are just so Charles, antagonistic Charles through Dutton the entire movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> he speaks for all of us. Um. In the IMDb trivia, it did say that Jeremy Northam and Mira Sorvino couldn't stand each other. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm Team Sorvino. Yeah, always. <laughs> and uh, I, I, another thing, they the producers fought Del Toro on is he wanted Northam to have glasses, and they did not because <laughs> it, the it made them look. He said it got so ridiculous that he came home from set or pre-production or whatever one day, and he was very happy, and his wife said to del toro like did you have a good day he's like yes he gets to wear glasses he's, wow. like, he's like it was such a like it reached a point where that was such a victory wow yeah uh but again i think the idea was glasses will make him look less heroic i don't know as don't know. as two glasses wear <laughs> that's offensive say, very offensive um i'm not wrong that that ending feels unearned right? yeah so they had another. I don't know if they shot again. again I wish I'd seen the, the theatrical version before this. So I, I, he had a whole other idea. I don't know if it was just script level or if it's what they shot. Where she, she be Mir Sorvino, like earlier in the script was supposed to like see a like homeless person or something and and blow that person off. And then at the end of the movie, she emerges from from underground looking the way she looks and she asks somebody for like help or change and they Mm -hmm. blow her off and then she doesn't know if and then also doesn't know if she's surrounded by mimics or or something um that obviously they didn't didn't go with mir servino also did not want her character to be pregnant and guillermo did want her to be pregnant so i think so so i think that i totally believe that was that last line is 80 yard it's and very, so weird. It is so to weird. Be the, a, the first thing that Jeremy Northam says to her, yep. and B, to be the last line of this yeah, movie. It's super weird. And it, it ends up being like her character arc, which is super unfortunate because, again, she's essentially responsible for creating this thing. That's a much more interesting arc mm-hmm. than, like, can I get pregnant or not? Well, he has a whole, a whole thing with, um, with fertility throughout this movie. There's all these... There, there's all, all these little subtle things about about fertility and about how like she's trying so hard to have a kid. Meanwhile, the bugs multiply like 
crazy and it's this there's a whole thing with fraternity. All right. I, I'm too stupid to get it. Oh, you and me both. But, <laughs> but yes, there's a whole thing with, with fertility. And he really wanted her to be pregnant and liked the idea that she didn't know that Northam was like, right, was, you know, was the one with this information. And, but uh, yeah, but then it leads to this ending that I agree that he, he popping out, I don't love. And that last line is just feels 80 yard and thrown in and there's a weird note to end. I'm fine with her being pregnant and him being dead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We don't need, you know, this, or even her not being pregnant. Her not being pregnant and Chewie's there. And right, and and having Chewie as the kid now, you know. Uh, Yeah, it tries to pay off that whole shoe thing. Right. Is that a motif that I'm missing? The shoe? Yeah. That I don't know. (laughs) Is that a weird Del Toro? Like, it's about the fertility. There was uh, one one time a critic uh, that I was sitting with at my first ever uh, Chicago Film Critics Awards dinner told me that Birdman is about the vitality. And so anytime somebody brings up Birdman, I say, well, it's about the vitality because <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> but apparently that's a movie I'll probably never watch again. Yeah. Same. So the one time I'm good. I, I got thought it. about it. No, I really haven't either, except to be like, didn't that win the Oscar? <laughs> yeah, right. It did, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm so happy that like Del Toro has emerged victorious out of all this. Same. And Weinstein he, is in jail. Yeah. And he has a Best Director Oscar. You know? and, and Del Toro talks about like he's also proud of himself for sort of doing it on his own terms because he was offered, even after all this, he was offered Harry Potter. and Which would have been a good fit, I think. Yeah. and Do we know which one? I feel like Prisoner of Azkaban, but maybe yeah. I'm just saying that because... <laughs> right. Uh, we couldn't get Del Toro, so we went to Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, right. Um, oh, Harry Potter, and there was something else. There's another another like franchise, and he turned them down to do Hellboy. And he's like, and I, he's like, not a great decision in terms of like box office right, and stuff right, like right. that. He's like, but I was at least failing on my own terms. Right. And, um, yeah, and obviously he came out on the other side just fine. And Hellboy's good. Hellboy is good. Hellboy's good. Hellboy 2 is better. Hellboy 2 is better. But Hellboy is good. You know what's really good, though, is the Neil Marshall Hellboy. No. <laughs> Which I've only seen the one time. It's very disappointing. Do you need to see it more than no, once? No, I guess not. I, I get like that with movies like Neil Marshall's Hellboy, where I'm just so I'm so disappointed that I'm like, maybe, maybe I just missed something. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace or whatever. Where I'm more inclined to like go back to try his movie again than, say, Birdman. A hundred percent, because I want to believe in Neil Marshall. Me too, right? But maybe he only had a couple of good movies in him. It happens, right? And I mean, I know that like Hellboy is probably his Hellboy sounds like it was a fucking mimic situation yes. in terms of the battles that he had to fight, and he wasn't getting along with the star, and there were lots of problems on that movie. Um, but you know, the more you read about Neil Marshall these days. The less inclined you are to like him. I know. <laughs> so, and maybe he's a great guy. I do not know him. Uh, I've been a fan of his, but his current situation is not great. No, it's not. You can a, Google Neil Marshall if you want, if you want to know what we're talking about. But Yeah, it's a bummer. Everything's a bummer. Everything's a bummer. Yay! June exploitation. <laughs> Anytime I see like, like, you know, 
a filmmaker, somebody's name trending on Twitter. I'm like, oh god, I hope right? they died. Because right, <laughs> right. We did No Time to Die. And yeah, then a few months I later, know. <laughs> we're like, yay, good job, Carrie Fukunaga, right. nailed it. <laughs> Whoops. No, okay, no. I get nervous. Um, do you have anything still on deck that you know you want to watch for June's Plantation? Um, so I was trying to think of uh, Thursdays are the easiest days day for me to like watch movies. watch like maybe multiple movies. And okay. I think the next, I think tomorrow, ooh, nicely is, done. Uh, thank you. Is eighties action? So okay. I was thinking this morning. I'm trying to think of what what to throw on. I was thinking Revenge of the Ninja. Okay, it's a good one. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of a, at least one more. So I'd love your suggestions. Yes, everyone suggest 80s action movies for Mike to Please. watch. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Fulci Day, I want to watch. I already have Zombie Okay, pulled out. Nice. I like Zombie. I feel like I like Zombie more than you like Zombie. No, I like Zombie now. The first okay. time we both watched Zombie <laughs> was together, and yes. we were both like, huh? You're right. But, you know. But I think that movie's so entertaining. It is. And the score is fucking great. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and the last shot rules. Yep. There's so much about Zombie that is amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, I haven't decided what I'm going to watch for Fulci Day. Obviously, I'd like to do more than one, but I, yeah. I'm out of stuff that I haven't seen. So whatever it is, I'm going to be revisiting. You know, have you watched any of like his spaghetti westerns? Uh, I've seen he did like three, and I think I've seen all three. Okay, I own two of them. I don't own one of them. Okay, he did an adaptation of White Fang that I've never seen. Oh. That I think you can rent on Amazon, but I'd probably rather watch New York Ripper. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than <totally>. White Fang. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and then he has a lot of like comedies that he made in the '60s that are just unavailable. Okay, that I, that I can't see. Right, right. But that's kind of held me back because I've always wanted to do like a director series article on Fulci, but I feel like I can't because it would essentially be starting with like Lizard and Woman's Skin because yeah, that's okay. the first one I have, or 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 even Beatrice Sensi or whatever. I don't know how to say it. Um, that's what I have access to. Not even YouTube has any of those? I don't know. Not the last time I looked. Okay. But I haven't checked in a while. Yeah. So. yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, anyway, that's it. Thank you, Mike, for talking about Mimic with me. Thank you for, for having knowing me. so much about it, having listened to the commentary track. I found this very informative. It's very informative. Yeah. Um, um, the the I, commentary track, not me. No, I don't have to listen to it now because you schooled me. So <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I'm just as good. Everybody, keep up with June Sploitation. Happy Bug Day. Happy rest of June Sploitation. This comes out about halfway through the month. So we still have halfway to go, which yeah. is both exciting and daunting <laughs> yeah. because it's been hard to watch movies this month. Uh, but we persevere and June Sploitation continues. Uh, thanks again, Mike. Thank you. I'm just a normal human wanting to hold your hand. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.